What is up, everybody? It's the Red, White, and Blue coming to you from Giantsology. As always, I'm your host, Greg, and this week I've got my buddy AY with me. How's it going today, AY? What up, what up, what up? How's your week been, man? Oh, my week's been fantastic, bro. Just been watching a lot of hockey, watching a lot of baseball, catching up on my sports, and I'm feeling good about it, man. That's good, man. That's good. You excited for football season? Come on, man. Does a bear shit in the woods? <laughs> of course it does. And of course, we are excited for football. I just wanted to start off saying thank you for everybody who tuned in last week. I'm I'm excited to bring you guys another episode this week. Um, one of the first big things coming out for the Giants this week is they actually changed course. Um, last week, we started off talking about having a 90-man roster, which would have been the two split 45s. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Giants actually decided to go with the 80-man roster, and they made some cuts. I, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure how I feel about it because, as I was saying last week, with how much turnover there was in the Giants organization, I, I was kind of okay with having more, more people available for us to choose from. What are you thinking? About, what do you think about that? Well, you know what? I was actually thinking the same thing for my team, but Graham brings up a good point with this. You want to just have everybody in the same room at the same time so you can get your eyes on those guys for an extended period of time. And I think that's what the Giants are doing here. You know, new coaching staff, um, and they're just trying to get a feel for what they got on the field, but they need to be able to look at these guys very, very closely. Yeah, I was watching today um, on YouTube. The Giants have started uploading Giants Life. Um, it's kind of similar to the Bills program you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Oh, where uh, they embedded? Yeah, the Bills embedded, where they go through training camp and everything. So basically, on this week's episode, uh, it was just Joe Judge walking through the training facilities, basically just showing all the uh, preventative measures that they're taking. And but the thing was, he said that like they had their first few days with this 90 man roster and he was like, we got to the end of the day and I wanted to bring everybody together and I couldn't. So he got a couple days in and he just knew that like this wasn't going to work. So some of the bigger names that were cut were John Hillman running back. He uh, was a rookie last year. He he definitely underperformed after Saquon got hurt was when he actually got some time and he had some fumble issues. So he's gone. Um, quarterback, uh, undrafted free agent, Case Cookus. Um, he was cut along with, I don't know if you listened to last week's episode, AY or not, but my boy, I told you everybody I was excited and they cut him. Alulue Batiku Jr. Uh, they <laughs> cut him. I was a little bummed, man. I, I really hope he gets another chance with another team because like I was saying last week, like he's just he's got one of those great stories that you really hope to see him succeed in. Yeah, that underdog story that you're always cheering for. I I get you. Yeah. Um, along with the cuts, we did have two more players opt out this week. Uh Damari Scott opted out, which isn't a huge deal, I I don't think. I mean, he was gonna have issues making the team with the uh wide receivers we brought in through the draft and free agency. Mm-hmm. Uh so I think he kind of just wanted to secure his bag and make sure he didn't get cut. And he he opted out, and he'll take the uh, I think it's hundred fifty thousand for players that are not at high risk. Hey, that's that's not bad for possibly being cut. You know, now you get paid for the rest of the year. You can sit back, and maybe they'll even give you a call during the season. Yeah, I mean, you never know. I mean, we have experience with Demari Scott. He was on the team last year, so hopefully injuries stay away from the team. But in case they do, yeah, I mean, he might get a call. The bigger of the two opt outs, I would say, is Sam Beal. Um, he. That's your cornerback, right? Correct. He's, he was our cornerback, and he, he was the guy who was in prime position to take over as that number two with DeAndre Baker's situation. 
Uh, I think this is a pretty big deal for the Giants because the Giants have always had issues, usually with injuries in our secondary, that we run real thin real quick. And yeah, now, Sam you're, Beal- now you're in a position where you're already going down into the offseason, you know, with uh, Baker being on the watch list there and now Sam Beal. I mean, this is a key position you need in football, and it looks like you're already going down with your hands tied behind your back. We picked up a cornerback off of waivers. His name escapes me. So we've got another body in there to replace Beal. But Sam Beal, he he looked pretty good for what he did last year. I mean, like I said, with with the how little pressure the Giants got on the quarterback, it made the secondary look really bad. Um, and Sam Beal was one of the people who suffered the most from it. It just seemed like he he he'd be able to hold the guy down for good three four seconds, but. If the quarterback had that extended time in the pocket, he, he he would drop off and there would be a completion. So obviously, of course, I support anybody opting out. Um, you've got to take care of your own health first. and But it is going to be at the detriment of the Giants and that secondary that really needs the help right now. Right. I mean, you guys picked up a guy named Darnay Holmes or something like that, didn't you? That corner yeah, so, as well? Yeah. So our, yeah, he was our third round draft pick. And the thing with him is, though, is I, I talked about it a little bit la- in last week's episode. The tough thing with Darnay, though, is that because of his size, he can play bigger than his 5'9 frame. But to be able to cover a number two receiver, I think that might, especially his rookie season, that might be asking too much of him. I oh, think he's going to I think he's really going to excel in the slot position. Mm-hmm. So. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty tough for the Giants to fill that number two hole behind Bradshaw. I'm not I'm not full out selling that our secondary is gonna be garbage. I mean, you never know who's gonna step up. And I mean, we still do have Corey Ballantyne, and he's a pretty experienced cornerback. So most likely he'll be making a run at that second position. But I really, I, I, if I had to choose between the two, I would still take Beal. I'll tell you what, you guys are gonna be getting a really fast glimpse of what your coaching staff is going to be capable of doing and in, in their progression and development of these players coming in because this is a, a young position group, would you say, for the Giants, the cornerbacks? Uh, definitely. Um, other than James Bradbury, I think most everybody is in their maybe their third year or younger. So we have a really – and then you throw back even to our the back end of our secondary at the safety position – um, Jabril Peppers is probably the most experienced guy back there, and he's only in his third, maybe fourth season. Right. So it definitely is a really young secondary, but which, as always, is the double-edged sword because they're inexperienced, but right. they're going to grow. And especially just with how the training camps are going to work out, it's going to be tough with everybody trying to get their reps in and everything. So it's it's definitely a cause for concern. But I mean, I really like the coaching staff that Joe Judge has brought in. I feel like a lot of them have credentials elsewhere that it's really going to benefit us this year and it's really going to be- benefit these young guys. Yeah, it's definitely something you guys have to look forward to. You know what definitely, I mean? Definitely, man. Another thing that we have to look forward to, though, is we have Marcus Golden back. Uh, he led us in sacks last year with 10 sacks. He was the only guy in double digits. So the Giants. Definitely a good addition right there, man. Yeah, and we actually got him at a really good price too because the Giants put him on the unrestricted free agent tender after the draft. So basically, we signed him for a one one year five point one million dollar contract. That's which, a that's a good bargain right there. That that's a fantastic bargain because he was asking upwards. I think it sounded like he was asking for like eight to ten mil a year in his long term deal. 
Uh, do I think that the Giants will really try and or will the Giants be able to sign him after the year? No, I really don't think Marcus Golden really wants to be here, to be honest. Um, but he's on a one-year deal. He he can't come in and lazy around and do nothing because he's a free agent again next year. So he's got to come in and prove to other teams that he's worth the money he's asking. But with the lackluster pass rush we had last year, he was the he was the shining star of it. So mm-hmm. it's good to have him back and along with some of the other edge rushers we've brought in, I think it's gonna build to a better pass rush. I'm not, I'm not going to say it's going to be great because a lot of these guys got to prove it on the field, but on paper, it looks much better, which is definitely a plus on the defense that just lacked it so much last year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and you also brought in those other linebackers from like Green Bay. So if, if Golden's going to be playing kind of like a hybrid thing, like maybe in the nickel, they put him on the edge and you got Blake and uh, the other name escapes me, but uh, your middle linebackers, I mean, your front seven just got a little better here, especially with Marcus Golden coming in with the most sacks on the team last year. So I feel like that's good for the the younger guys to learn something from this dude who obviously produces in the backfield. Definitely. Uh, his name's Kyler Frackrell was the other uh, okay, linebacker yep. we brought in. But yep. yeah, man, I mean, between those two guys and O'Shane Eximis and Lorenzo Cart, like we should have a really solid linebacker core, which we haven't even – we haven't had a good linebacker core and since it's Antonio taking me the, days, probably I was about to say it's taking me this long to think about it. So, I mean, that just, that just goes to show. Yeah. But yeah, man, I mean, honestly, I haven't really felt confident about this offensive line since our Super Bowl run years back in the early 2010s. I mean, back when we had like Chris Snee, David Deal, Sean O'Hara, all those guys that really were able to be a good anchor for Eli Manning back there and really just, provide this offense with the stability it needed oh yeah those guys were fantastic i mean i don't think anybody would argue having that offensive line at that point in time i'm pretty sure that was probably welcomed across the league and teams hated facing them (laughs) definitely man i mean i would if i could have them in their primes again man i absolutely would um but we can't because science doesn't allow that but the Giants have made another move this week that uh, I'm really excited about. They gave Nick Gates a two-year extension. And I know you not being a Giants fan, that's probably a name you haven't heard before, correct? Yeah, no, I, I could agree with that. Well, so Nick Gates, he's been a backup so far. He did start three games after some injuries um, Injuries happened. They had to bring him out. But he started at right guard and right tackle last year. He's one of our most, most versatile He's one of our most versatile linemen. He, like I said, so he had started there. He started at left tackle during college, and he was an undrafted free agent in 2018. And Pro Football Focus has him as the seventh best offensive line out of that draft. Wow. Yeah. What, was he, that draft just loaded with other talent? <laughs> like what? How does seventh that best? Yeah, and that that was the year that Quentin Nelson came out. So he's behind, like, there's good names that he's behind too, and he's up there. He's top 10. So, especially with Nate Solder dropping out, I think it's going to be huge for us to have that stability in Gates. It's going to be great to have him for when we get a few weeks into the season. If somebody's not performing to where we need them to be, we can have him go and fill out because, like I said, he's played guard, he's played both sides of tackle. So he's he's really that versus. I'm going to keep using the word versatile. I mean, he he's great all across the line, and he's. I'm really glad that we've got him coming back for the next two years at least. Well, you can never be too versatile, you know. I mean, 
me coming from my fan base with the Bills, I mean, we expect the same thing out of our players. So this is a huge, huge thing to have on your line, especially with numbers dwindling like that. And I, I know just by talking to you through the draft period and everything, you you talked about the Lemieux kid and Parrot. I think you're really going to get a good gauge to see where these guys are at, if they're going to be NFL ready maybe this year, next year. Uh, but I feel like those guys are going to get some playing time here. And that's something that I think Giants fans should be excited for, because that is the future of the line that's been lackluster, like you said. Definitely, man. And it's, it's a double-edged sword with Nate Solder going out. Uh, because like you said, yeah, these guys are going to get their playing time, but they're also going to be an experience. But the best way to learn is to be on the field. Absolutely. So it's going to be a great opportunity for these young guys to come in and learn and get that NFL experience. Uh, I'm just, I'm really hyped about Andrew Thomas as well. I keep watching more and more tape on him and I don't know if you saw this come out. So pro football focus did their top 25 offensive tackles going into the season. Mm -hmm. And they have Andrew Thomas, number 22 on that list. Hasn't even played a snap in the NFL and he's number 22 on that list. Well, he had ridiculous stats in college. Like, he, I yeah. think he only allowed what, like three or five sacks or something like that in all of his college days, something like that. But he came out of last year with the best, again, Pro Football Focus, the best ranking of the SEC tackle since Lael Collins in 2013, who now helps anchor that fantastic offensive line in Dallas. Yeah, and I mean, Andrew Thomas has a great frame, young kid. Like, I think he was also one of the younger tackles coming out. This, I mean, this is another guy that hopefully is going to make a name for himself in the in the Giants organization and be remembered for a long time because he has that capability of doing that. Definitely, man. He, he so he's coming out of the SEC. He's already been facing fantastic teams. I mean, there's, I think the SEC is about the best place you can really play because how much NFL talent comes out of the SEC. I mean, they're obviously not in their primes, but I mean that's the best way to prepare to coming into the league, and I think one of the benefits of Nate Solder being out is now he can go and be at left tackle where he played last year. Cause most likely he was going to start at the right tackle position if Solder was going. And I think it's going to just be another plus for Andrew Thomas just to be able to remain home at that left tackle position where most likely he's the left tackle of the future anyway. So now he gets to start his career there. Oh yeah. And like you said, man, no, no lack of talent across from him throughout all of his college days. So I'm excited to see what this kid can do for sure, man. I mean, I feel like he can handle himself just fine. Definitely, man. And I mean, again, it, the question is, is will this line be okay with Nate Solder? We're, we're not losing out on much. No, I, I would well, agree with that. Like I, 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 I love his interviews. He, he seems like a great guy. He's a good, he's good team guy, but on the field, he just, he hasn't been he hasn't been producing. We gave him the richest at the point at that point in time, we gave him the richest contract for an offensive lineman. His first season with the Giants was plagued by injuries. Last season, he allowed 11 sacks, 56 pressures. And depending on who you ask, you can there's people who will argue that he allowed eight more sacks than that and there's been seven forced fumbles coming off of his lack of blocking. Like if you pull the numbers, he did not have a good season last year. He he had terrible. It like I don't want to rag on the guy too much because, like I said, I do like him as a person, but he just he wasn't producing last week last season. Right, and when you give a guy you know kind of like a, a record setting deal like that, he already comes in with the target on his back. He's he's right in the scope. Everybody's going to be watching him because it's the big name signing, and like everybody always says too, technically the Giants aren't in New York, but hey. 
Uh, but playing for a New York team is no joke. I mean, there's a lot of expectation because uh, there's just a lot of pressure. The fan bases are always, you know, very intense, very they love their teams. Uh, so but I, I can definitely agree with you there. Nate Soldier deserved the contract at the time for what he was doing, yeah. but he definitely has not been playing to that price point. Definitely, man. And I mean, especially just Daniel Jones got a lot of crap last year for his fumbles. But I can't remember which Giants podcast I was listening to, but I was listening to somebody else's podcast. And he went through and he looked at all of Daniel Jones's fumbles. And there were so many that come off of blindside sacks, which, yes, Jones partially has to get better at holding onto the ball, of course, but also we shouldn't be allowing those sacks. Well, I yeah. Mean, we, I mean, so it's. If we can get an improvement on Solder from last year, I think that's going to be one of the contributing factors to helping Daniel Jones improve. Like I said, he he's got his own part to work on, which he has been. I mean, he he's talked about how a lot of the offseason he he was working on holding on to the ball, making sure he secures the ball. So I think that's going to be one of the big things that helps that Giants offense, like I was talking about last week, keep those drives going, is getting – Andrew Thomas, who I said most likely will be the starting left tackle, if he can play better than Solder, I mean, that's already a plus. Right. And I mean, the blind side's the second most important position on the field to me. First quarterback, then the left tackle. Uh, it's very easy to watch the game and just watch Daniel Jones fumble. And I I, I understand where the fans could be like, yeah. what the heck? But at the same time, you got to think, those guys are flying off the edge. That arm's hammering down from like a 200 to 80 pound guy to a 320 pound guy there's a lot of force coming on that ball and if you're not ready for it anybody would fumble but hopefully Andrew Thomas like you said can come in here and kind of share that up and I think people are going to be really excited with uh Daniel Jones this year I'm a huge fan of Daniel Jones I always have been uh I know if they listen to Woodbine Sports uh I've always preached for Daniel Jones I I really enjoy his craft I'm not gonna lie I think Back when we first drafted Daniel Jones, I think you were more excited than I was. I was, I was a bit more skeptical. <laughs> you 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 knew a little bit more about him because he was he was one of the he's one of those guys who only seemed like he jumped up the draft because it was a weaker draft class. But I know you watched a little more tape on him than I even did, and you you were hyped about him. You were like, dude, are you so excited about the quarterback? I'm like, uh, what? I'm, You're I'm like, no, saying. no, no. You gotta love this guy, man. Seriously, though, I mean, what I what I do usually when I'm always in the quarterback. So every year I'll just watch a couple games that they play. Like I'll literally watch just a simulated version of the whole entire game uh, or every pass they threw in a game or something. And the one thing I look for with quarterbacks is just anticipatory throws, because that's what really translates the best into the NFL, in my opinion. I'm no pro scout or anything, but that's Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. I mean, these are guys who are getting older. And the only reason why they're successful is because they're throwing the ball before the receiver's even breaking their route. And the defense doesn't know where the ball's going because, the, like I said, the, the player hasn't broken the route yet. And I thought Daniel Jones in college was great at that. And he had the arm strength. He's got the frame. He's a strong kid and a good mindset. He came in to this organization from the outside looking in. For me, you know, there was a lot of drama when he first got there with Eli Manning. At least the, the media was really blowing it up. And I thought he handled himself really well and delivered a, a great season for himself, you know, starting all 16 games. Definitely, man. I mean, he came in and it definitely was the media blowing up, blowing it out of proportion because both these guys were quiet. Eli and Daniel Jones were quiet on this mm -hmm. whole thing. I mean, 
nothing was Eli didn't even really say anything until after the season. After the season, he said he doesn't want to be a backup. He he didn't enjoy it, which playing for 12 years and being the starting quarterback for 11 and a half of them. I understand that. And so he decided to retire, but they both were extremely professional about it. Daniel Jones has come in with a great attitude and I'm, I'm really excited for him to be our quarterback and I'm really excited for him to get this line because it's the improvement that he really needs to take that next step. And even just going to Mark Colombo, who's our offensive line coach, he was the offensive line coach previously at the Cowboys working with Jason Garrett, who now is our offensive coordinator. He he's been with the team since 20. He was with the Cowboys since 2016. So he's been there while the Dallas Cowboys offensive line has been what it's been. Right. So with him being our offensive line coach, it just, that just brings another level of excitement for me, especially just, I mean, a shout out to even just all the coaching staff. Like I said, that Joe judge is brought in, man. I, I love all these guys. I love on paper what all these guys are going to be bringing to the table. I mean, he, it's just between Patrick Graham as our defensive coordinator, and I really think, dude, even Freddie Kitchens is our tight end coach, man. I, I like it because that's what Freddie Kitchens was good at. Right. That's what got him to the offensive, or I don't even think, did he even go to offensive coordinator or did he go straight to? Uh, yeah, he was OC. He was OC. Yeah. But yeah, so that's that's what got him the attention that he had. So for him to get back into his bread and butter, I'm I'm excited about that, man. And I'm really looking forward to seeing this coaching staff take these young guys like you were talking about and really be able to build them up. Even with how weird this season's going to be, I think that it's going to be a great opportunity for these young guys to come in and really grow and become solid, solid players. Oh, yeah. I mean, coming from experience with my organization, this is this was probably one of the most exciting times as a fan for me. And I think that you guys have a lot of promise. I mean... I've always been pretty high on the Giants, actually, and that was even before I met you. I, I just, I think they've had some shortcomings with injuries in the past, and you know, coaching changes, and just the coaching not working out. And I think you guys got a lot to look forward to. I think it's a very promising time for the Giants, even though you might not make the playoffs or something. There's a lot to look forward to this year, and I'm, I'm happy for you guys, actually. Yeah, I mean, I obviously, I hope that we definitely will be in that playoff in the run for that last pl- that uh, that new playoff spot. Um, getting into the last few weeks of the season, it would be overachieving, I think, to make the playoffs. I'll put it that way. Hey, uh, crazier things have happened, though, man. Yeah, man. I mean, we made we made the playoffs in the sixth seed and won the Super Bowl on it. So, I mean, yep. the Giants fans are used to it. So, who knows, man? Uh, just one last thing I did want to um, start breaking down for you was where I think everybody's going to shake out after this preseason. I've said already that I think Andrew Thomas is going to be the left tackle. Will Hernandez will be our starting left guard. I don't think him or Kevin Zeitler at the right guard position have any real competition for that. I don't mm-hmm. think that they're going to be they're going to be pushing for that. Uh, Spencer Pulley, I think, will be our day one center. How far he makes it into the season is going to be the question. He's kind of just there because he doesn't have competition to be a hundred percent honest. Right. Uh, we don't really have a second center on the team. Uh, what I expect to happen is I expect Shane Lemieux and Kyle Murphy to be getting reps at center. And I think one of them will come out and 
by the end of the season, I think one of the two of them will be starting as our center. Okay. Uh, they, they've already showed that they have versatility across the offensive line. They've started at different positions other than the center spot, but they definitely have those base building blocks to be a center. They just need to get the reps in. It's going to be tough with no preseason games. I think they would have had a lot of time in those preseason games to play in in game format at the center position. So that's why I think it'll take a little longer for one of them to grab the starting position. But I definitely think that by the end of the season, the two of them will be making a run at the center position or just be solid backups at, at the guard position. Okay. That, um, yeah. Shane Lemieux, I know you've always been high on him. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with playing time. Absolutely. I think I think the only position really up in the air going into day one is going to be that right tackle spot now. I think that because I've already talked about Nick Gates, but I think with because of his versatility, he might be kept on the bench. He'll be that guy that can go anywhere and we'll get Cameron Fleming, um, who we signed in the offseason from the Dallas Cowboys. He has experience he, with not only Jason Garrett, but Mark Colombo. I think that he'll be our starting right tackle. He's played both sides and he's had success at the right tackle position. So I think he'll be our day one right tackle starter. And then Nick Gates... Tyler Haycraft will both be our backup tackles. And like I said already, Lemieux and Murphy will be floating around at the guard spots. Now with Nick Gates, you know, if he's as versatile as advertised, uh, how would you feel if he possibly pushed for the center role? Like, would you, would you feel good, even better about that offensive line? If you had, you know, Thomas Hernandez Gates, uh, who, who is your right guard? You at, you said there. Right guard is Zeitler. Zeitler and then Cameron Fleming. I I wouldn't be against it. Um, they're just the coaching staff hasn't really talked about giving him reps at the center position. It's kind of like he has a higher ceiling than at the, at the tackle position than Shane Lemieux or Kyle Murphy do. do. Okay. So I think they they want to make sure that he's available to take over at at one of the tackle spots. That way we don't have to move him to tackle and then find somebody else to be the backup center. They would just rather keep him at the tackle spots where he can really shine, come in for a few plays during the games and be available for in case of an injury. And I think they really just want to take these young guys, the Shane Lemieux and the Kyle Murphy coming off as rookies and really just start them off early at that center position. All right. All right, man. I'm excited. I am too, man. I'm, I'm really excited for the season, but we talked about it. Yeah, you were on with the first episode with me. It's going to be a tough beginning of the year. Oh, yeah. For especially, like I said, losing the experience of Nate Solder. These young guys are going to get tested early and often. Week one, we got the Steelers, Cameron Hayward, and TJ Watt. Week two, we have the Bears, Khalil Mack. Week three, we have the 49ers, D Ford, Nick Bosa. Week four, we have the LA Rams, Aaron Donald. Week five, we have the Cowboys, Gerald McCoy, Terry Poe, Alden Smith, Demarcus Lawrence. Week six, and then week six, we go and play against the Washington football team, Ryan Kerrigan, Chase Young, Montez Sweat. Yeah. And the the, the list goes on, man. I mean, we, we, we sat there and just looked at the schedule in the first episode of Giantsology and we, and that was the big thing coming out of it was just, dear God, these pass rushes and these run stops that we're going to be going against. Now, does does Georgia play Ohio State in college? But I'm assuming you're going for the angle of 
has Andrew, Andrew Thomas, Thomas gone as yeah, just because you know that would be like a really good plus going forward in this. Like Ryan Kerrigan, I feel like Cameron Fleming can put up a good fight with the average pass rush. Honestly, Cameron Fleming, great backup in Dallas, did did wonders over there for them when they had some line trouble. Uh, but I really think Andrew Thomas is everything he is expected to be. I mean, yeah, I know we've already touched on him in this episode, but. I really think that he's going to be able to hold his own. Now, going up against Khalil Mack, nobody can handle that guy. Uh, that's something different. But having Chase Young and, and the Bosa uh, out there in San Francisco, if Thomas has had some playing experience against them, that's a really good plus coming into this. It's going to be tough on both sides because Khalil Mack actually lines up mostly on he'll be going against the right tackle. So he'll okay. be giving the right tackle a hard time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's why I got we got to really make sure that we have both tackle positions solidified because there's there's not going to be there's not going to be a week off man you're either going to do that or you're going to run a lot of heavy sets so the tight ends yeah. can chip them or you keep a running back in the backfield i mean you guys are going to have to definitely compensate for those guys because with a young offensive line especially at the tackle position you, you're going to have to account and make sure daniel jones is safe back there definitely man i mean i think we'll be able to see what a our coaches are thinking going into week one, because I think that's going to be the number of tight ends that we carry into the season, I think is going to determine how confident they are in this line. If we bring three or four tight ends into the week one, it's definitely going to be those heavier sets that you're talking about. I mean, we did bring in uh, a couple of tight ends that are blocking specialists more so than catch pass catching. Cause mm-hmm. we already have Evan Ingram. So, we definitely have the personnel going into training camp that we're able to do that. And I think that, especially against the, those types of players, you might see it at the beginning of the season. It'll be interesting with the Washington football team because we'll play them twice. And it'll be interesting to see how much, how much more heavy we're running than in the first game compared to the second game. Because like I said, I think that'll really kind of just show how confident our coaching staff is in this line. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Joe Judge is walking into a very similar situation in terms of personnel with the Giants that he saw with the offense of the Patriots with Bill Belichick. Yeah. I mean, he's basically got his quarterback. He's got the tight end and Evan Ingram as long as he can stay healthy. He's got a pretty decent offensive line. And I'm kind of curious to see where you guys go. Are you going to go old school Patriot offense here where you're spread out? Or are you going to bring it in from the past three years where they were kind of a run heavy team? You know, for Tom Brady's sake, setting up the play actions, using the tight ends. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see what kind of offense Joe Judge implements or if he's just going to say, hey, Garrett, it's all you, man. Do what you want. And Well, that's what I was going to say is that there's always that third option, too, that, yeah, he just he lets Garrett do his thing, which I I would absolutely be fine with that third option. I'm not going to say that it's the best option because, I mean, it just it depends on how the personnel and everything would work out. But I think in my opinion, I think that that would be, I guess maybe, yeah, I would say that and maybe I'll walk that back and I will say that it seems like that could be the best option because of how much success Jason Garrett did have offensively in Dallas. I know, I know Jason Garrett does have experience with being an offensive coach. I can't remember. He was a wide receivers coach. So he does have a little experience running on the offensive side of the ball. I'm not sure how close to the chest he's going to hold that offense we'll have to wait and see if or if he just lets jason garrett do his thing i'll tell you what having jason garrett's a plus especially with him coaching a division rival for the past how many years uh definitely you know 
he knows that defense better than any of them. And that's probably one of the better front sevens in football right now with their linebackers being able to fly around and everything. So it's good to have that going into it. And, you know, he's he's been preparing in the same division for a while. And that's what the Giants got to do here. They just got to win the division, be at the top of the division, you know, one or two, puts them in a good position going into this extra playoff spot this year. Yeah, man. I mean, one would be one would be amazing. I don't I, I mean, with how good either the Cowboys or the Eagles are going to end up being, one would be absolutely incredible. I if we won the division, that would be Dude, I mean, just with the way this year's fallen, man, and who knows? <laughs> Dak Prescott's still up in the air with ownership about stuff over there. A lot can happen. I mean, Wentz goes down, you know Wentz is going down at least once a year, and it's not his fault. It's just he's injury prone. Yeah. Uh and the Washington football team, we don't know what we're going to get from them yet. We don't know what their morale's like, nothing. I mean, but that whole entire organization is going through some drama. So this is this is as good a time as any for the Giants to come in here, be productive. If they all show up with the same mission and they all show up with the same mindset, they could put together enough wins here to really sneak up in that one-two spot. I really, I believe that. Definitely, man. I mean... Of course, if all all goes right, I could absolutely see that. Um, nothing ever seems to, though. So right, right. I mean, there's always curveballs being thrown, but I think that the experience that Joe Judge has and the people that he's worked with have prepared him for this. Because not only is he a Patriot, he's also one of the coaches to come out of Nick Saban's coaching organizations. So he was with Alabama t- 2009 to 2011. So if anybody's going to be prepared to be dealing with those curveballs man i think it's definitely going to be joe judge and the staff agreed well that is going to do it for us today on this episode of giants ology as always we appreciate all of you guys for coming in and listening to us uh alex how about you plug your show real quick hey yeah if you guys have the time tune into the buffalo binge on mondays we've got that it's at its own spotify page just type that in you'll be able to listen uh wednesdays we got the woodbine sports and you know, Greg, I just want to say thank you for having me on your show, man. It's always a pleasure being on the mic with you, and I'm glad I could make this happen and, you know, join you today. Definitely, man. I appreciate you giving your time to help me out because I'm still currently co-hostless. Co-hostless? <laughs> I'm still in search, in search of a co-host. We actually might have something in the works. Uh, maybe next week I'll have somebody new with me, but we'll see what happens with that. As always, I appreciate everybody listening. Have a great week. We'll catch you next time. See you.